Well, good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the pastor of worship and operations here, and it gives me great joy to um, kick off this new season we have. Uh, it's the season of Advent. This is a season uh, we love to celebrate here. It's a season of celebration. It's a season of anticipation. It's a season of excitement. However, I do want to acknowledge that this is also potentially a difficult season for us. This is a season where, I think because of the tradition, because of the familiarity, we can be acutely reminded of loss. We can be acutely reminded of memories for what was or who was or what is to come. And sometimes we struggle in that. So I want to offer you this encouragement today as we enter this season that all of us do struggle to some degree. And Advent, I believe, provides us a unique opportunity, or may I be so bold as to say, actually gives us a real directive to come to grips with the places that we struggle, to be real about what we're hurt by, to be honest with what we're waiting for, to bring our questions to the forefront of our minds and bring all these things to our God who hears us. And this week we just lit the hope candle. And traditionally in Advent we focus on these four words of hope, peace, joy, and love. And each week we'll unpack each of these words and we'll see how they come to lie, come come to life and we can understand them in light of who we are waiting for, how they come in light of the Messiah. And so we are going to start this morning not with diving into hope, but just a quick unpacking of what it means to enter into the season of Advent. Because I think it's quite important for us. I think as modern um, modern Americans, we are, whether we embrace it or not, are really tied into this consumerist wheel of uh, instant gratification. And so I want us to take a step back this season and to take a look at what it means to start the year slowly, silently. And that is the beauty of the season of Advent. It's the new year in terms of the liturgical calendar or the church calendar, and really the the reason that the church or liturgical calendar exists is to ground us in any day or season we find ourselves in, to ground us in another part of the story of Jesus. And so in Advent, we celebrate his coming, anticipate his coming, and then we celebrate at Christmas his birth, and his life. And then in the season of Lent, we'll celebrate, it's hard to say celebrate, but we will acknowledge his death and what he, what he came to secure for us through his death. And then we'll celebrate in Easter his resurrection and then his gift of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. So anywhere we are in the church calendar, you can be sure to ground, be grounded in the story of Jesus Christ. It's important because how often do we forget It's important because how often do we get sidetracked or busy or lost or confused? So this is the time of year that we anticipate. 
And let me be clear, I don't want us to get this notion that Advent is a time to be sad and melancholy. Quite the opposite. It's, it's time to create space to feel the gravity of the turmoil we might feel or the sadness we might feel or the struggling we might feel and bring those things to, the, to a God who is coming, who hears us, who comes directly into our trouble and saves us from our fears and our troubles. This is a time of year that we hearken back to the 400 years of silence that the people of God endured preceding the birth of the Messiah. So again, this is a time to be still, to ponder, to acknowledge your need for God's presence, to acknowledge your need for his comfort, his healing. Too often we we squish Advent and Christmas together. Too often we want a party without any preparation. And so you'll see here at Terra Nova Church that there's a progression to this season. You'll see that the songs that we sing are during Advent are very much focused on who God is and that he is coming and worshiping him for the truth of who he is. Little by little, we'll start to hear some of the familiar songs that we know and love to sing here at Christmas time. But again, let's not jump too, too let's not jump forward too quickly. Let's dwell in the fact and sing songs like "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Put yourselves in the minds of those people that were without a word from the Lord for four centuries. O come, O come. So yes, we can rejoice today because we do have the truth. Unlike the Israelites who hadn't had the Messiah yet, we have the Messiah. We know that he has come, but we are in a new age. And as Christians, we are also in a waiting time. We are awaiting the second advent. We are awaiting Jesus coming back again to finish his work of restoration for all things. And so there's attention for us here in this season. The truth that we have, yet we look forward in hope. I'm going to start to segue a little bit here. We look forward in hope to what we know is already true, but we wait expectantly for it because we know it's going to happen. That's a lot to unpack. That's a lot to understand. And so my hope and my my hope and my my um, my prayer for us is that the elements of the Advent season would serve to point our hearts more to Christ, not to point our hearts more to ourselves, but to point our hearts more to Christ. There's also progression, not just in the in the song and liturgy, but there's also progression in the decor. You'll see here it, it seems simple, but I mean, this took a lot of work. Thank you, Morningstar and others, and Leah and, and others that serve on our atmosphere team. Um, we have a progression of candles that we're going to light. Some of you have an Advent uh, wreath at home with, with the five candles, and the beauty of that is that each week we light another candle, bringing more and more light. So again, we don't stay in the dark. We continue to progress to light candles and to make more light and to bring more joy because we know that the day is near. 
So, it is my desire, along with Daniel and Reuben, that you'll engage well with Advent this year. And that we would all be prepared to accept well the amazing, infinite, beautiful gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, this year. In addition to um, preaching and, and doing worship this season, something that a few years ago I kind of did on accident, but um, it, has, it has stuck, at least for me in my pilgrim journey, is writing an Advent blog. Um, it's a lot of inner thoughts and questions and, and um, ideas, um, but I'm offering that to all of you as I have the last two or three years, and so that's going to be posted by noon on Sundays on our website and also through social media. So if you have a get-together for Advent um, uh, with your family, where you light candles, there's actually some things at the bottom of some hymns you could sing. There's also um, some prayers and some scriptures that you can read as well, and just some food for thought as we enter into this thoughtful and meditative season. All right, so that's kind of, we're here. We're in Advent. Um, and so we're going to start with a message on hope. And this is a perfect place to start. And it's pretty obvious that we all need hope in this world. Because hope isn't just, um, oh, I, I, I'm hoping for this vacation to happen. Or I'm hoping that somebody buys me the right gift for once. Or I'm hoping for this nice, uh, a, a nice invite to a, a meal. Or I really hope my family makes it here for Christmas. It's a whole lot different. It's based on truth. It's based on something that is, and it's based in a person, Jesus Christ. And so today we are going to look at the, uh, the book of Micah in chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. And what's interesting about the prophet Micah is that he's the, he's the uh, prophet that famously prophesied that the Messiah would come in Bethlehem. That's chapter 5, verse 2. But the same prophet, Micah, also prophesied the invasion and the destruction of that very region that Jesus would be born into. And so once again, I want to highlight there's this tension this time of year between the current state of things that we find ourselves in, yet the truth of our promised Savior who is here and now and is coming again. Now, if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about the prophet Micah, who's a super interesting guy, a couple years ago we did a series on the minor prophets, um, and you can look down in our sermon series, and Daniel um, preached a killer sermon on Micah. So um, definitely go back and check it out um, and read a little bit more about who um, Micah is if you're interested. So would you please stand for the reading of God's word as we enter into our time today? Micah chapter 7, 1 through 7. Woe is me, for I have become as when summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been gleaned. There is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from this earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. They all wait and lie and wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. Their hands are on what is evil to do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bride, and the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright of them is a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand. 
Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. And the daughter rises up against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we enter into this word today, as we try to understand what it means to have hope, I pray that you would meet us where we need to be and that you would draw near to us and teach us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you may be seated. So you might be thinking, maybe not, but you might be thinking, whoa, this is, this is pretty dark scripture, Matt, here for, a, 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 for a, a, a Christmas sermon. And you'd be right if it was a Christmas sermon, but it's not. Um, today begins, again, this very important season. And picking this text, I wanted us to come to grips with our current needs, our current turmoil, and to see that this is the beautiful place where hope is born out of, and that the light is coming, and the light will come. So from this text, the first six verses is, 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 is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tough. Uh, but did anybody see or hear anything in these verses that you haven't personally thought or felt or witnessed or encountered? I mean, if we're real with ourselves, I mean, you really only need five minutes of news to make you want to take a shower and curl up in a warm sleeping bag and to escape from the world. We live in dark times. We really, really, truly do. And this is nothing new to our world, and it was nothing new to the world that Micah was prophesying in. I mean, look here at verse 2. There is no one upright in mankind. They wait for blood. Verse 3, their hands are on what is evil. But not just that, to do it well. Verse 5, there's a loss of trust. In verse 6, we read of broken families. We know that Micah was well acquainted with turmoil and sadness. He lived from uh, 740 B.C. to 670 B.C. And he spoke to the people uh, uh, of this tension, of this coming turmoil, and of this coming destruction of the region of Judah. But also, he was prophesying that Jesus would come, a Messiah would come. And so there's a, there's a tension here, and Micah even lived through some of the destruction that he prophesied. When Assyria invaded Judah in 701 BC, Micah was there. He witnessed the very thing that he had prophesied before. Yet with all that God had told him, yet with all that he was going through, he says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. In spite of all of the godlessness in the world, in spite of all the trouble, he said, I will wait for the Lord, the God of my salvation. He will hear me. So there's a tension in hope. When we are well acquainted with the fact that we are so out of control, that this world is so upside down, we, that we are so in need of a God who is in control, 
We are so in need of a God who is the standard for truth and morality and goodness in our life. That is where hope lies this morning. Micah's reply to the godlessness and hopelessness in the world was a defiant, but I will look to the Lord. So today we're going to look at a couple things, and this is really going to be more devotionally based. This is not a long sermon. Um, We could probably preach hours and hours and hours on these topics, but this is um, my prayer for you all, that this is a jumping off point, that these would be some thoughtful things that you could bring with you through your week. And so we'll look at two, um, two elements here. We'll look at the promise of hope, what that actually means. We say that a lot. Like, oh, this is a hopeful time. Jesus is great in the gospel. We throw out these terms. We need to understand what it is they mean. Because when we say, I'm a Christian, I'm hopeful, somebody might ask you, well, what, is the, what does that mean? What are you hopeful in? Okay? So we're going to take, uh, um, take a look at the promise of hope and what that actually means for us um, as we see it played out in the Christmas story. And then we will look at how we really engage with that day today. Okay? So... Any of the scriptures I'm going to put up here today, if you are a note taker, jot them down. Those are great scriptures to come back to in your week um, of being with the Lord, taking some time to really ponder some of these things that that I'm suggesting for us. And so um, if you forget or you didn't, uh, I see people taking pictures of slides and stuff. That's helpful for me too. But if you need those scriptures, again, I'm happy to send them to you, mattatarinofachurch.org. All right, so this... um, As this passage shows us that we're in today, Micah 7, the writer is fully and honestly acknowledging the tension of what is, but still trusting God in a broken world. And as I said before, this very region of Judah that he was prophesying destruction coming to, he also prophesied that in this place of destruction, the Messiah would come into that place that would bring hope, joy, love, and peace to his people. And so the first element of the promise of hope, the first thing that it means is that God enters into the very place of destruction and turmoil. He enters into the epicenter of our trouble. Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From, From you shall come forth for me the one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give him up to the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. God is our hope because he is, he is present in our time and place of need. And that is true for you and I today. God gives us hope when he enters into those situations to save and provide. Yet, it gets better. Not only does he come and does he save, but he also is well acquainted with and our participant in the suffering that we are in. The Christ event gives us hope because God, with his eyes wide open to the world, he knew what he was doing and knowingly sent his son into the epicenter of our trouble to live with us and suffer with us and know what it's like to live the life that you and I are going through. 
Do you ever hear, you, you ever have somebody, you're struggling through something and somebody you kind of know but not great um, comes up to you and is like, they're doing their best, their heart's in the right place, but they're like, hey, it's really hard, but I'm really sorry. You know, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. They don't know that. They're not going through what you're going through. Often these empty words, they don't give us hope. They just make us feel more hopeless. But hear this, church. Hear this. When you are struggling in grief, in confusion, in questioning, be confident that Jesus stands with you and he knows. He has encountered and lived this life. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carries our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Another comforting verse, Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So in your darkest hour, friends, your God stands ready to save you, but can also intimately enter into you with your suffering. So the promise of hope is that God came and was was present in the turmoil of our, of our lives, and that he lived with us and was well acquainted with the suffering we are experiencing in the worldly grief. And third, he came not to save us from the symptoms or put a band-aid on our symptoms of evil in the world, but he came to change and save and purify the root of our turmoil, which is our sin. Another prophet, Jeremiah, wrote these words some 600 years before the birth of Christ about this is what the Messiah would do. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Now, if if hope is bred out of turmoil, like I mentioned earlier, then when we come to grips with how broken the world is, we must always remember that this starts with us. And the thing we need saving from most is not a situation, but it's ourselves. And Jesus came to give us hope through the eternal salvation from our sins. So whatever we encounter in the world, we have security because we have a salvation in our souls that cannot be taken away. The body may die, but Jesus saves our souls. So if the promise of hope through Jesus is that he came to live and was present in the epicenter of our turmoil, that he lived with us and was well acquainted with the worldly grief and strife that we encounter, and that he saved us not just from temporarily from symptoms, 
but he saved us from the evil in the world, which in the root of it is our sin, then this is good news, friends. Amen? When you hear this time of year the angel who says, I bring tidings of good news and great joy, this is what he means. One of our popular carols that we will sing. Don't worry, we will. I've already set it up. We're going to sing it. It says, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Jesus has come to us. He has lived among us. He has saved us. And if we understand this, this is good news. But it's one thing to kind of understand something and know it, but it's, it's another thing to engage with it and actually live it out. So I want to suggest as we close today two ways that, that we can live in hope of Jesus this season of Advent. I'm going to ask us to consider resting in the promise of hope and then moving towards it. Here's what I mean. Resting in hope, I, I don't want us to see this word as inactive. Okay, often we think of rest as Daniel mentioned a few weeks ago, like his perfect day of rest in a hammock in the mountains in a good book. Am I missing anything? It's about it, right? It's pretty good. There's difference between being inactive and actually resting well. Okay? And as we know, it actually takes a lot of effort to rest well. It takes, it takes a concerted understanding of, okay, I'm resting now. It's a discipline. And sometimes rest isn't very productive either. But sometimes that's okay. But we don't want to see rest as just kind of numbing ourselves or medicating our minds out of reality. That's not what I mean about rest. But resting in hope means that we choose to stop and we choose to be still and rest that in any circumstance or any situation, no matter how difficult it is, to rest in the absolute certainty that God is present with you in that moment. He sees you. He knows you. He hears you. In today's passage, Micah rests in the truth and the hope of God's salvation, knowing that he's present, knowing that he hears, no matter what is going outside his windows. And the Advent and Christmas season highlight these truths. No matter the silence or the turmoil that you are enduring, we can rest our bodies and our minds and our souls in the truth that Jesus has come and is coming again. And this is objective truth for us today. And so I'll encourage you this season of Advent to take at least one time slot a week. Start there. Start, start with something that's actually doable, okay? However much time that is to silence your phone, turn off the TV, stop consuming whatever it is you're consuming, and rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is hard because what happens when we shut off all distractions? Our brain starts going, right? Happened to me at 3.30 this morning. Um, so I got up and came here. Um, your brain starts going absolutely crazy. But just like Micah, okay, we need to say those things that are in our brains. Some of you are note takers. My mom always had a, had a notepad next to her bed, so when she woke up in the middle of the night at 3.30, she would think, oh, I need to do all these things. But let's go one step further, and let's write the things that, are, that we're struggling with. Let's write down the things that we're longing for, that we're desiring. 
and tell those to the Lord. He hears you. He hears you. God is present. So take some time and work through your heart's um, yearnings and desires this season and bring those to the Lord. And the beauty of Advent is that we see this progression of light. We see that Jesus is coming. We see that he is amidst our trouble and our hurt. And we believe that he is coming to save us from all these things. So don't miss this time. We have four weeks. Don't miss this time. Really take advantage of this season. Don't move too quickly to the party of Christmas. It is coming. It will be here. As Christians with hope, we are called to also move towards it. We are called to be those that carry this message of light and hope with us. We are called to be soldiers on the front line of this dark battle that we are in, moving forward with the knowledge of, a God, of, of who God is and what he has done, and resting in the truth of the first advent of Jesus also encourages us to look forward to and move towards the truth of the second advent when Jesus comes back and finishes his restoration of all things. And very practically, Advent is appropriate time. We find a lot of charity. And as the, one of the carols says, goodwill to men. This is very appropriate. We want to give back from the things that we have been given. And so those who have hope in the light of Christ, might we find ways to bring light into dark places, to serve others, to bring the message of Jesus, knowing that he hears us, knowing that he speaks, that he's faithful, that he saves. So may this give us fuel and energy to serve those in our body and outside of this body, to actively put yourself in a position to share his good news. But maybe for some of us that needs to start in our own hearts, that we need to actually bring the truth and the light into the things that we are struggling with so that we can go out and share that to others. So again, don't move too quickly. Some of us may be stuck saying, I don't know how to move forward. This is where we need to have our community involved and those that we confide in and those that are close to us. Sometimes we need others to speak truth to us. That's okay. Allow the body to serve you in this. So friends, as we engage with the promise of hope this season, I really do hope and pray that you would find rest for your souls. And I really do hope and pray that you would move forward this, towards this hope this season. And now we're going to move forward in taking communion. And I'll have the band come up. At Advent and Christmas, it's kind of a I know I've said the word tension a lot, but I'll say it again because there's a tension that we, we celebrate and look forward to the birth of Christ and his life, yet the, the purpose that he came to us, his purpose of coming to us, was so that he could die. Was so that he could sacrifice himself to kill our sin forever, to restore our relationship with the Father that had been broken. And so there's a somber reality that we need to Remember that in the season of joy, 
in celebration that Jesus came to die for us. But he didn't stay dead. He is alive and living here and now, even in this place, in our hearts. And so as we come to the communion table this morning, be reminded of the hope that is yours because Jesus died for you, because he was broken, because he poured out his blood for you and I. Be reminded that that's hope and salvation for you today. And would you enter this season well?